And it's on like the best wrestler ever. Mm-hmm. You know, just saying. Just Go. saying, man. Superstar of the year, 2020. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on, guys? Your boy Elroy here, and welcome back to the Your Boy Elroy MMA podcast. I'm your host, Josh Prep Egina, and I'm here with my good buddy. Andre Rodriguez. Andre, what's going on? What's going on, Prep? So I said it last week that we'd have a very special episode this week. We are doing the, I guess what we're going to call the MMMEs or the MMEAs. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Uh, The MMA Awards for our show this year. This is our first year, so this is kind of a big deal. And I decided to ask my good buddy Ron Pash to be on. So Pash, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me, both of you. Andre, great to see you again. It's been a while. Prep, I'm trying to think of the level we hung out. Uh... 245. Yes. Yes, but uh, mm-hmm. just to say, mm-hmm. I know you don't want me to, <laughs> but Ron did return to podcasting <laughs> earlier this week on Ronnie versus the World, so please check out that feed. <laughs> nice. Five-star ratings and reviews, please. Um I think that this year we're going to try to push that more. So, you know, the more ratings and reviews we get, the more legit we look in the eyes of, like, somebody who's just, like, scrolling through. So that's the reason why people push it. It's not because I'm getting paid, because I'm definitely not. (laughs) No? Yeah, You didn't become a millionaire yet? (laughs) No, no. (laughs) And it it costs money to make money, and let's just say I didn't spend too much money on this podcast yet. (laughs) But I do appreciate it. It's uh, I think our fir- our one year anniversary is like the third week of this month, so we will have a special episode then as well. But let's get into the award show because we have a lot to get through, and uh, let's see. Whatever yeah. one jumps out at you on that list. Yeah, I mean, let's start with upset of the year. You know, there's. There's been a few upsets this year, some stuff that we didn't think would happen, uh, just some people that we didn't even know existed. So, Andre, I'm going to start with you. What is your upset of this year? Okay, so I'm going to say this first. Now, I came into this fight in particular already having confidence that this person was going to win. But I will call it upset of the year because everyone who was talking about this fight was like, yeah, they're not going to win this fight. They're not ready. They only fought one top contender. They looked good, but they weren't impressive. They just don't have the skills to defeat this this fighter, this champion. And then the fight happened and everybody was like, okay. So my pick for upset was definitely Weilai Zhang versus Jessica Andrade. I mean, yes, she was number six. Yes, her only notable name was Tisha Torres, but this is the thing. Styles make fights. And she went in there and she made Jessica pay, not only for defeating Rose Namajunas, <laughs> but for coming in too over-aggressive, trying to finish the fight early against a formidable opponent, you know, like Wei Lai Zhang. So that was definitely my pick. Great pick, Pash. So I'm glad that Andre brought up one thing that he did during that one can i say i love the idea that part of 
her motivation was to avenge Rose's loss. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but that actually is my upset of the year. Of the year. Yeah. Uh, Andrade over Rose because one, I know how much it upset the two of you that it yeah, happened. It hurt so bad. I I lit it. It's crazy because I say this all the time, but that's probably the only time I ever cried <laughs> due to the did, like you know the outcome of a fight. It only was, time that it brought tears to my. Eyes. It was definitely something that really hurt us both. Um, I'll go. My upset of the year is different from both of you guys. It's Tristan Connolly over <laughs> Mich- Michelle Pereira. <laughs> like, it was just one of those fights, like, who's Tristan Connolly? Exactly. Like, and Pereira just had so much hype going into the fight. He's so much fun and, like, charismatic that he blew up, like, before the fight, like, because he was dancing all the way to the ring, in the ring, and then he just throws these ridiculous, like, capoeira like <laughs> kicks and yeah but you know tristan Connolly's just tough and like sticks it through and and takes it to him and leaves with a hundred grand because michelle pajeta missed weight <laughs> yeah. so it's just like one of those stories that we'll probably never hear about again and i don't even know if they're gonna book this guy again but that's my upset of the year and it was like the biggest like underdog as well yeah, yeah. so i think that counts for something one last thing i just thought of about the uh the Andrade upset. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know you know. Andre, you may know. I can't remember if we specifically have talked about this. But I'm very big on, like, there are tiers. Yeah. Uh, like, there are, like, those handful of, of fighters that are, like, great. And they're separated from everyone else. Mm-hmm. Then there are the fighters that are, like, really good, but they're not quite at that level. Uh, that's kind of why I asked you guys one, one, on one show, who was your... Uh, who do you think is the best fighter to never hold a title? Because there were... The history of fighting is littered with those guys, like John Fitch, who was really, really good for a really long time, yeah. but just was not at that level. Yeah. And I think Andrade is one of those fighters. It's like, she's not that, you know? And yeah. she beat somebody who I looked at that was that. And you don't see those types of upsets happen that often. That's probably the main reason why that one stands out to me more. That's why I enjoyed that, um, kind of like the whole redemption thing with Waylai, even though that wasn't her motivation, but like, this could potentially make Rose into the best female fighter to ever walk the face of the earth because she took that loss like a champion, but you kind of just had the sense that if that didn't happen, it was clear who was going to win the fight. Like, I'm going to be honest, like, it. I think it hurt me more because I think about 50 seconds more of just those shots landing on Jessica Andrade and she probably would have just quit. But, you know, um, the thing about upsets is, like, sometimes that really makes a fighter even better. You know, that's why I love, you know, um, Valentina Shevchenko so much. But we'll talk about her later. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Uh, Some other notable upsets this year, just some stuff that we thought about. Uh, Henry Cejudo over Marlon Marais. Like, I think both of us were, like, unanimous, like, Marlon's going to take it to him. And he did for a round. But it was a (laughs) five-round fight. Yeah. Um, Rafael Lovato Jr. over Gegard Mousasi was a good one. It was just, Gegard is just such a different fighter in Bellator. And for him to take the L to Lovato Jr., nothing against him. I mean, I know he's like the best jiu-jitsu practitioner in the U.S., (laughs) allegedly, according to uh, Brendan Schaub. (laughs) But, I mean, Mousasi's just on such another level that I expect that loss to be avenged in 2020. Yeah. And then another pick, 
uh, Colby Covington over Robbie Lawler. Mm-hmm. It might have just been the hate on Kobe Covington, but nobody really thought that he had a chance, and he pretty much dominated Robbie Lawler. And love him or hate him, it was a great performance and a pretty big upset. Let's move on to feud of the year. So this is this is something that you know you can kind of make up in your head what is really a feud, <laughs> but um. Pash, what was your feud of the year this year? So this is actually kind of a tough one for me. And the one I actually wanted to pick, I think I'm not going to. Because I think it's a feud that it didn't come to any kind of closure. I think it's an ongoing feud, and you probably know which one oh, yeah. that I'm talking about. <laughs> um, and I don't think that feud is over till they fight, if they ever fight. So I'm going to go with one that actually happened. Um and one that has not paid off yet, but I think elevated someone to a degree that no one thought possible. I'm going to go Jorge Leon because the three-piece and the soda, that whole thing was like the start of Jorge becoming... There's like the mid-card guys that people know. You see them on on pay-per-views or whatever, but they're not like, that's not my guy. I think that was what started to make him like oh, this is a guy I want to see. Not just a guy I happen to see. I want to go see that guy fight. So that, everything that came out of it, I think it like helped him blow up. I think his year probably wouldn't have been as big as it was had he not had that to almost kickstart it. So I think that's my feud of the year. And if, if neither of you list uh, a couple of the other ones I thought I might go with, I'll, I'll mention those at the end. Yeah, my feud of the year was Colby versus the world. I think that he just, like, like I said, when we were talking about his fight, there's, like, he has something, but the Trump stuff, no pun intended, trumps it. (laughs) And, like, it's really hard for you to even, like, think about liking him because such a part of his gimmick is that Trump stuff. So, for me, I just think that he stayed in the news so much because of you know his and his talk like some of the stuff this guy says like is over the top but some of the stuff is actually pretty funny like chael always talks about when he said like you couldn't draw money if i gave you white paper and a green crayon (laughs) like i thought that was a fantastic (laughs) line uh he said he'd rather watch flies have sex than watch you fight like (laughs) i thought that was pretty funny so for me it was colby covington versus the world Pick pick a fighter. Colby Covington probably had a confrontation with him. Yeah, um, I'm going to have to go with Pash on this one. <laughs> uh, it took me a, a long time because I thought about, like, the fact that there were some there were some really bad, like, blood situations and different fights. But the one that did stand out to me is George versus Leon because when you think about it, like, look at the body of work that Leon has kind of left, like, he's on a, a seven or eight fight winning streak, maybe even more wins. And he's really en route to fight for a title because he's earned it, right? And then you can say that George earned his shot by through sheer violence and just destruction to the point where you want to see him knock people out senseless. And this you is... You want to see the baptism. Yeah, you want to <laughs> see people get baptized by George Masvidal, but then you think about it, like, now that you see Leon in the place that he is and his fighting style and you think like out of everybody that could prob- probably give Masvidal a problem it is Leon Edwards 
because he has the kickboxing. He has the great cage wrestling. He has decent jiu-jitsu, and he's got a pressure that is just, it's its really overwhelming for a lot of guys. And we see this continuous, like, style come about. But now, you know, with Kobe kind of in the looms, he'll be back, but, you know, he's going to take a break probably. Usman kind of in the place that he was supposed to be in. Now we get to kind of see these two guys eventually clash down the line, and I think it's going to be one of the biggest fights of 2020. Yeah, for sure. I mean, some of the more notable ones of the year, this is probably what Pash was thinking. Probably. Israel Adesanya yes. versus John Jones. Yeah. Uh, it'll get its payoff eventually. Not quite yet, but I'm not surprised if this is on the list at the end of this year, being 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, something that me and Andre really, really gave a crap about was Bader Hari versus Rico Verhoeven. Yeah. And it the, prob- the reason I can't pick it is because it was between, like, two press conferences and then that fight that you know kind of had an ending because of an injury but like again Bader Hari really taking it to Rico and probably would have won that fight if he didn't get injured yeah um TJ Dillashaw versus Henry Cejudo unfortunately for TJ Dillashaw he had the injury or not the injury I'm sorry he had the pop you know he got caught taking EPO and I think this really suffered from being in like that first quarter of the year. And another one, really you could say Jorge Masvidal versus the welterweight division mm-hmm. because his stuff with Ben Askren was like legendary this year. But and it had the best payoff. Yeah. But his stuff I, with Colby. Yeah, his stuff with Colby, but honestly, I think the stuff with Leon was more significant because like, if he didn't punch him backstage, I don't know if we'll be talking about Jorge Masvidal as much as we are right now. Yeah, and look at, like, the legs that it has. That he had the one of the greatest knockouts of all time against Ben Askren. He had the whole BMF title thing, all the stuff with Colby. And any interview here with Jorge, Leon Edwards comes up. Yeah. Now, part of that is because it helped catapult Jorge to where he went. And some of it is Leon Edwards has actually, like you said, worked his way up. Where like a month ago, a month and a half ago, Masvidal was talking about Leon like beat somebody first before I even think about letting you fight me. And now it's like, oh, he's kind of at the top of the heap that quick. Yeah. So that to me is, is why it's feud of the year because both guys are like consequential and we haven't gotten to see it happen yet, but we all know that we will. And that's the thing. It's like, Leon's in that same place that Kamaru was in, the same place that Kobe was in. It's undeniable that they deserve, that he deserves a shot. Why? Because you're going to continue to put tough guys in front of them, and they're going to find a way to win. And Leon is just keeps saying it. I deserve the shot because I'm on a 9 or 10 fight winning streak or something like that. I've beaten the best. I fought against Gunnar Nelson and I made him look really bad in that fight. I fought against this guy. And the only real serious loss he's ever has was to the champion. And look at what happened after that. He became a, a superstar in, in like for the English fighters sector. And now you have this looming matchup that that I think that should be slated for a championship if Masvidal can beat Usman or if Leon can beat Usman because either way, one of those fights is, you know, well-deserved for both parties and 
you know, I just think that that's going to be a feud. The buildup itself is going to be crazy. Think about it. You know, Leon's going to be like, I'm going to get you back for that three-piece, you know. And then he the fight's going to be crazy. Every interview, anytime he gets a chance, Jorge will get his due. Jorge will get his due. Yeah. And I, I said it, like, a few a few episodes ago, but, like, Leon kind of grew on me because he was one of those fighters, like, yeah, he was winning, but, like, it's like who cares like it wasn't really like sticking out to me but there's something about his demeanor and he is a great fighter like Andre pointed out all his positives like and there are very few negatives that you could point out from him and his last loss was to the champ so it's like in a fight that really when you think about that fight when it was when it was made it was really only made because they didn't think Usman was going to be good it wasn't to catapult Usman. It was actually to catapult Leon because Leon's first real serious, notable like fight was, I think, his first fight against Seth Bezinski, where he literally knocked him out in like nine seconds with the first punch he landed. And I mean, he starched Seth. He left him on the ground just unconscious. So then they put him against Usman because when Usman won the Ultimate Fighter, he didn't do it in impressive fashion. So they were like, all right, he's just another wrestler. No big deal. And then he ends up putting it on Leon. But Leon took it upon himself to be like, you know what? Like, as much as I like to strike, that style works. Like, putting pressure on guys, like, opening them up. Like, that's that's what works nowadays because you have a lot of talented jiu-jitsu players and a lot of good strikers. And sometimes you have guys who can mesh both well. But if you don't have that cage game, if you don't have the ground and pound, if you don't have that pressure, a lot of times that's what wins fights. Not, you know, spectacular knockouts or omoplatas. Like, sometimes it's just the grind. And if you can get that done in three or five rounds, a lot of times you make those spectacular fighters look like C-plus fighters. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's hard to, like, root for the guy that says, like, oh, I'm just here to win. Yeah. Like, no, I want to see the guy who's here to fight. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, and Usman's not that guy. He always says that I'm here to win. So that's why I don't I don't know if I'll ever be a, a fan of his. <laughs> Let's talk about performance of the year. This year was a great year for MMA. There were a lot... Of, this isn't fight of the year. We're just talking about, like, single performances that we can really, like, pinpoint. There was a lot of good fights, a lot of good performances in certain fights. So... Andre, I would love for you to take this one first. Yeah, this was kind of a, a hard pick for me, mainly because there is another fight on this list that I just couldn't deny it was one of the best performances of all time. But I'm basing this pick off of the fact that this fighter, he fought in a way that he wasn't supposed to and still excelled to prove that he really is the best at what he does. And that pick for me was Israel Adesanya versus Robert Whitaker. Um, you see that fight and everybody kind of understood how it was probably going to go, which was Robert trying to get on the inside, you know, maybe making Israel miss and then catching him with something flush. And that's exactly what he tried to do in the fight. But how many people could literally say that they expected Israel to not only fight on the inside with Robert, but actually do well doing it against somebody who has legitimate knockout power great speed and 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 you know just great skills overall like i didn't expect that if you look at their body types right think about it seven inch reach advantage four inch height advantage he's an excellent kickboxer on the outside 
but he literally leaning, landing power shots on Robert's chin, busting him up. And then you're like, damn, like this dude can do it all. And it's not just the kickboxing background. It's the fact that Israel believes that he can fight anybody any way and will defeat them because he has the tools. And the way he, it's not just the way that he finished Robert. It was the way that he showed no fear. He was completely poised, calm, just ready for anything. And he just made Robert look like he didn't belong in there. And that was my performance of the year because I was stunned. Stunned by not only the knockout, but his willingness to put it all on the line against a guy that a lot of people thought was going to put an end put an end to his not only his undefeated streak but the hype and you know what that that for me was the best performance this year yeah i'll go next uh my performance of the year was dustin poirier over max holloway it's really a shame that this fight doesn't really get its due um a lot of people now are saying that it was a little closer but i just remember watching it and saying like damn dustin is whooping max's ass like he was really taken at the max. Yeah. He fought. It was kind of one of those things where like the culmination of like all that hard work finally came into this one fight and he finally overcame it and got the strap. It was just a great story, a great performance and something that I don't know if people look back at that fight like I did when I first saw it. So Pesh. I don't know if you remember. Go ahead. I don't know if you remember that as that fight was happening, like by the end of it, I think I had it scored for Max or I had it a draw because I thought Dustin killed him in the first round, but I thought Max had done enough work throughout where it was like, I, I thought it was closer than, uh, than probably what the judges scored it. And I think the reason why I was, uh, not as, uh, to, to quote George St. Pierre, not as impressed with his performance um is because i was like okay he beat a guy who came up from a lower weight class like cool you beat him and he's a great fighter but to me it didn't catapult him the way it it seemed to do for a lot of people but a a win over a guy the caliber of max holloway is a quality win and i shouldn't take anything away from him for that my performance of the year though taking it in a very different direction i'm assuming both of you will be very surprised by my selection goes to two people Colby Covington and Kamaru Usman for their fight just a few weeks ago. Reason being, we all thought we knew what that fight was going to look like. Yeah. And none of us were excited to watch it, really. None of us had high expectations for this being an entertaining fight. And those two guys went out there and beat the hell out of each other for five rounds. Yeah. And, you know, threw bombs at each other, absorbed bombs from each other, and both guys kept coming, and it was like... I think expectations are huge for me. If you have high expectations for something, you're very likely to be disappointed. Yeah. If you have no expectations, your expectations will probably be exceeded. I could have, could not have imagined my expectations being exceeded the way they were for that fight. It was a super fun fight to watch. I'm not particularly a fan of either guy, but the fact that they both put on a show to a level I didn't think either one was capable of I have to kind of tip my hat to them and give them both the performance of the year for giving us a show that we never expected. 
Yeah, honestly, like I have to agree in the aspect of the fact that that performance was incredible. And the funny thing is I came into this podcast and as the progression of Colby Covington's kind of like stardom as that big villain or that big heel, I, I think you call it, mm-hmm. um, it, it was it pissed me off because I'm like, why are they giving this man what he wants? They're giving him the attention that he wants that he doesn't deserve because he's an asshole. And, and that's what I thought. And then coming into that fight, I'm like, he is an asshole, but <laughs> I understand why now. But like, he's good at being an asshole. Yeah, and, and he owns it. Like, the best comment I heard from him was when he trumped Usman. He was like, listen, I don't want people to like me. I want them to hate me. As long as they're watching, that's all that matters. And going into that fight, it that wasn't the Colby that we were expecting. Instead, we got a Colby who was like, I'm going to fight this out five rounds. I'm not even going to attempt a takedown. I'm going to go in there and bring it to you. And I have to give respect for Usman too. Usman doesn't fight like that. He does not make take risks like that. He went against Tyron Woodley, a guy who had legitimately knocked out some of the best fighters on planet Earth. And he went in there and he fought a smart fight for five rounds. He did not do that with Kobe. Kobe's not a knockout puncher. He's not this excellent striker. But he would, it was still a risk and he took it. And that's what I loved about that fight. It was like, like Dana said, this was the first real bad blood fight that actually lived up to the hype. So I, I agree that that for me it was Adesanya versus Whitaker, Holloway versus Poirier, and then definitely that fight. That was a great matchup. Yeah, and the thing you said about like Colby saying about like I want people to hate me as long as they're watching. Like Jim Ross always says, the worst reaction, the only bad reaction is no reaction. Yeah. So if everybody's sitting on their hands, that's a problem. But the like he he draws vitriol. And that's why he's going to continue to be up there as long as the UFC allows him to continue fighting. Uh, some of the other performances of the year, I just had this one on here because I thought it was <laughs> awesome. Bryce Mitchell, when he twisted Matt Sales, I thought that was cool. Uh, yeah. Li Zhang, her dominant victory over Jessica Andrade, as well as uh, Unlung Sung finishing Brendan Vera. That's not on the list, but I feel like I had to give it its due. As well as um, Douglas Lima when he knocked out MVP. That's something that doesn't get (laughs) talked about enough. But maybe we could bring it up here in Knockout of the Year. (laughs) This year we've seen some devastating finishes. And Pash, I want you to tell me what was your favorite knockout of this year. So this one isn't my favorite knockout of the year, but it's one that I at least feel I need to mention because I was in attendance for it, and the guy who got knocked out, his family was 15 feet away oh, from me. Yeah, uh, it was was it Josh Emmett? Yeah, over uh, Michael Johnson. Uh, it was a fun fight, uh, but like I said, his entire we're talking like probably his mom, his kids, his wife or girlfriend. You don't know if he's married or not. It was like. 8 to 12 of them. Oh, my God. And we're, it, it's crazy because they're going nuts when his music hits and he's coming out. And it's like, wow, this is crazy. Like, these people are real people, like, with families. And watching them, like, cheer for him and then to see that happen. And they all kind of filed out, I guess, to go backstage. 
and just like my heart sunk like oh this is just like a man just like me who just had this horrible thing happen to him in front of his family like the people he loves the most the people that love him the most and it had like a real effect on me like for the first time i was like oof like it it was like a punch to my stomach yeah so not the knockout of the year for me although a very good one but the one that had the biggest impact on me i'm gonna go with the obvious one though and say masvidal over askren because how often do you see that what you saw right there not often at all yeah, I'm going to go back to that Michael Johnson knockout, though. If you, I think the UFC put it up not too long ago, but if you watch the Justin Gaethje versus Michael Johnson fight, you can see his family like in the background going nuts because he, he caught Gaethje like a bu- like they were slugging it out, and you could see like his family losing it, and then when he finally like took that last punch, like just so defeated, like I, it, it hurt me too. Um, and Gaethje had a devastating knockout in the main event on that card. Right? Oh yeah, he, he was <laughs> he was a finishing machine this year. Um, I'll go my favorite knockout of the year. I just brought it up: Douglas Lima over Michael Venom Page. Like, just watch that knockout again. Like the leg, the like the leg sweep, and just like that. Like, it's yeah. like a cartoon the way he knocked him out. It was crazy. <laughs> Michael Page just went to sleep, and it was like. One of those like hits the reality like of the MMA community like wow maybe this guy like isn't as good as we think he is like he has a lot to learn, and I still think he's learning you know he's he's the can what do they call him now like the can killer or something like that <laughs> yeah the tomato can killer yeah or something like it's that. it's something ridiculous but he he's gonna uh, I think he will get like better this year and face better competition but this knockout. Like, if it wasn't for the Jorge Masvidal, like, I mean, that's the obvious pick. But yeah. I think this one was my favorite. You can't really go against, like, uh, listen, Douglas Lima is a monster. And that was one of the best knockouts of all time. But just Masvidal versus Ben Askren. The, the fight was such a, a risk for both because it was like, you either get completely blasted with wrestling all fight all three rounds and just get embarrassed and Masvidal lost like that before to Damian Maya and a lot of other people and then then you think like what if he actually does knock Ben Askren out oh but Ben's never truly been knocked out he's been hurt but he's never really been in danger danger and then he just comes out and just nearly ends his life with one <laughs> knee the one strike that no one expected and you're just like i'm literally standing there with zeus and we're setting up tacos and we're just having a good time i'm like yeah i'm excited to see this fight i'm also scared and then we're talking and out of nowhere you just see his body <laughs> shut down and i'm like he did it freaking out even my dad was like whoa my dad doesn't even watch mma right. and he was like wow that dude is dead i thought ben was dead (laughs) and and you know what it just that that has to be knockout of the year and there's been some crazy ones i mean like the one the, the one that you brought up josh emmett versus michael johnson michael johnson was up on the cards he was gonna win 30 27 and emmett was like i just need to land this one shot and that's it and he did it but you know what yeah that's knockout of the year for me man the crazy thing is we've said everything on this list except for, mm-hmm. like, one of the... 
maybe the more devastating knockout of the year, Valentina Shevchenko's head kick over mm. Jessica I. That was so hard to watch. That was a knockout that is in a league of its own. Because that, I'm not even going to say we were expecting that. We were expecting pure dominance, but I'm sorry. Jessica I got blasted. And then she comes back to fight again and beats a top contender. Like, I don't know. I got to give <laughs> Jessica I credit, but damn, Shevchenko is never going to lose that belt. Yeah, so let's continue the theme with the women. Female Fighter of the Year. Now, I know that, you know, in the world we're trying to be a little more inclusive and kind of... But I just think it's more fair to have these... I'm not okay with doing an overall fighter of the year the women don't have enough talent it's very dominant it's also their own division it's not exactly like it's fighting. They, there's not intergender fighting so like yeah. if you guys have a problem with it i'm sorry <laughs> no but female fighter of the year andre hands down it's gotta be shevchenko she's defended her belt already um she beat yoenna yangjancheck for the fourth time in their lives. She beat Jessica I, a worthy opponent. And she took on... Um, and she defeated Liz Carmouche in a tough matchup against somebody that actually beat her before. So, yeah, she's the clear winner. And I really just don't see how anybody else can beat her. The only fight that I'm looking forward to is either the final showdown between her and Amanda Nunes... Or the potential matchup between her and Macy Barber. I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, Pash? So, although I am in love with Angela Lee and have been for two or three years now, <laughs> she is not my female fighter of the year. I know that's not the criteria we're using to judge it, whether I'm in love with the, the fighter or not. Um, but I think she may not have had her most impressive year, but I still think she's one of these people that is just like very special in the world of fighting you know there's very few athletes or entertainers or any walk of life where someone is just so incredibly special and like ahead of their time so for me it's going to be amanda nunez and she's going to have to lose before i would put <laughs> another woman above her in any capacity in the world of fighting yeah it's it's really hard to vote against amanda nunez um like i said and at the 245 review, like, I hate that the story would be that she didn't finish, you know, uh, GDR. Like, I hated that idea. But she was so dominant this year and, you know, for the last few years now. But just to be different, I'm going to pick Alimale McFarlane, the Bellator <sighs> champ. She is, like, you know, I'm not going to say she's just as dominant, but she's extremely dominant. You know, it might be lesser competition. She makes these people look like white belts. <laughs> and, you know, she defended her title twice. And the last fight, I think she TKO'd the girl. Or no, uh, two fight. The, the first defense, she TKO'd the girl by Dr. Stoppage. She's just, I don't see her losing anytime soon as well. I, listen, man, I'm sorry, but I haven't seen guard play that good since, like, Damien Maya, honestly, like her, her rubber guard, the dead orchard, like all of the tools that she has in her guard game off of her back. It's probably the most devastating guard I've seen 
in MMA. And I only say Damian Maya because Damian Maya was the kind of guy that if he took you to the ground, it didn't matter where it started. He's going to finish you because you're not getting up. There's no way you're getting up. But Alimale is like on another level of jujitsu. And it's crazy because she sets these things up. And you can literally see how her opponent has no answer. They don't know what to do because she's so advanced on the ground. And honestly, I don't know if there's any fighter who could truly beat her. Now, I don't know if that's implications enough for her to move to the UFC or to one championship. But damn, like she's going to be one of the most dominating champions because of how good her jiu-jitsu is for MMA because it's it's excellent. So yeah. Yeah, some other options. Uh you said it Angela Lee, Weili Zhang, the like as dominant as her victory was, you know, I don't think she did enough this year to really be considered like the overall female no. fighter of the year. Um Amanda Nunes you picked and Kayla Harrison, you know, I like Kayla Harrison. I think she's really good. The problem is the competition. Like, you know, it's kind of like Ronda Rousey, like beating everybody when there wasn't, you know, too many people. When there to wasn't beat. anybody. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. And like, like women's one fifty five division. That's not even a how thing. feasible is that going to be? You know, she's going to have to cut down to forty five to be relevant in this overall sport. Yeah. No, it's true. I mean, let's be real. Even if they make a 155 division like a prominent thing in any other major organization, like they're just and this is what people don't understand about the female like fighting that thing. Like it's not bad. There are talented women in this world who could fight, but it's always a risk to go into MMA because there's everything's on the line, right? It's not just getting knocked out with a head kick. It's also being armbarred by a specialist that you were supposed to beat. Like, there's so many variables that are involved in fighting that there just isn't enough talent. It takes so long to get good at MMA. Like, MMA is its own thing. And, you know, to also add the fact that you want to have a woman who's that dominant in one area of martial arts come in and fight formidable opponents in that weight class, it's going to be hard. If you think about the women she's fighting, most of them really fought at 145 or 135. So, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, um, she is going to have to make that cut. And even then, 145, look at what's happening at 145 in the UFC for women. There are no 145 fighters. And the fights that they're making for the 145 fighters are weird. They're just like fighting people that <laughs> nobody knows. So it's tough, but... I think that if PFL kind of promotes her the right way and maybe sets something up like that where she makes the cut, I think we might see a real superstar be made. So that's something to look forward to in 2020. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's pretty exciting. Let's talk about round of the year. You know, that's something that we actually added at the right before <laughs> we recorded. But, you know, Pash, you brought it up. What's What's your favorite round this year? I think for me, it would be round four of Stipe DC. Even though it was DC, as you know, is like one of those guys that just like has a place in my heart. Yeah. But seeing that fight turn the way that it did with Stipe one, I mean, he overcame a lot of adversity in that fight. Like to get knocked out by a dude, takes all that time off, comes back, fights the same guy, and was getting like destroyed. Base. I mean, he he took a lot of punishment from DC in that fight. The fact that he overcame all of that adversity 
and really won it by just strategy. Yeah. You know, he found the uh, the left hook to the body and just kept going back to it, you know, and it's like in, in football when you when you can get five yards on every rushing play and you just keep running that play like right up the middle, you know, six, seven, eight times in a row, stop it and then I'll stop running this. DC had no answer for it and it was just it was so interesting to watch. Even though it was like heartbreaking for me to see DC lose that fight. To me it was just so impressive to see what Stipe did. And that that fight was just was I mean, maybe one of the, maybe arguably the best heavyweight MMA fight of all time. I mean, that was an incredible, incredible fight. Yeah, Andre. Yeah, I have to agree. I mean, damn, like, and I had some good picks. I know I have my pick, but that's like tied with number one for me because I'm literally sitting in a room full of people and everybody's like, oh, you were banking on this big dude. Big dudes aren't the answer in heavyweight. The small guy can always win it too. Like, like he's got skills, you know what I mean? My dad's like, man, the fat guys, you can't count them out. And I'm just like, it's not about being fat. Y'all don't understand. Stipe can end this in one round. And I and I literally, from the second round to the third, the end of the third, I kept saying, he just needs to go to the body. If he goes to the body, either the head will be open or his body will be vulnerable and he won't be able to take those shots. And damn, I literally called it. He started throwing that left hook, and I was like, there it is. I saw it in DC's face. It was the face of, I got to block out the pain. And then another shot. He's like, damn, he's going for it. But what was DC's problem? The same fight in John Jones in the John Jones um, rematch. He wasn't willing to adjust, and Stipe was, and he capitalized. And it was just crazy to see how... Whether he his coach called it for it or not, he was like, "That's the key. It's the left hook to the liver," and that's and although it's one of the most devastating shots in any combat sport, it's also one of the most underrated because it is a risk. It's a risk to throw that shot in MMA because there are guys who have great reflexes who will throw that knee when they see your head drop, but if you can land it in the correct spot at the right time, that fight's over. Jose Aldo did it against Jeremy Stevens, <laughs> and just he left him on the ground. He was he couldn't even recover, and that goes to show you that there are some shots in MMA that are so devastating that it can change the entire course of a fight. That's what I loved about that performance, because like you said, Stipe was getting his ass whooped, but I knew that 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 wasn't the end of him. I knew that that was not the defining moment in the fight. Cormier is a really good striker. But I knew that he couldn't beat him for that, for that, for five rounds doing that. Yeah, my pick is round five, Adesanya versus Calvin Gaslam. Yeah, that fight and that round were just so special. It was like out of a movie. Like yeah. in my MMA fandom, like I'll never forget that moment. Like watching that live, the feeling I got, the feeling I still get when I rewatch the fight because I rewatch the fight pretty regularly. Mm-hmm. But. Like, Adesanya looking at him, like, and basically saying, like, I'm ready to die. Like, let's do it. I'll never forget that. And that's my pick for round of the year. Some other rounds that I can think of, uh, Jorge Masvidal versus Nate Diaz round one. (laughs) Just like this, like, it just felt so special. And even though the fight didn't live up to the the hype, like, it just felt, like, so special. Uh, there was something about, you know, the 
I th- I'm pretty sh- like the first round of Khabib versus Poirier that like I had this feeling like I wanted Poirier to like do work but um he just couldn't get it done like Khabib is just a mauler mm-hmm. yeah I agree. Anything else that you can think of off the top of your head? Yeah, honestly, my round of the year was Adesanya versus Gastelum. And the reason why I picked that as my defined, like, number one was because Adesanya versus Gastelum was the fight that nobody wanted but was so thankful that it that it actually happened. Because people were like, oh, God, another interim middleweight title fight? Like, great. This is going to be fun. And then they throw it out on the line. But, I mean, it's it's just crazy because a lot of times that happens, you know. But then you have, like, the Masvidal fight. That first round was great because it's like Nate Diaz started to come around after getting dropped. And he was like, you know what, like, I, you know, I got to pick up the pace. But you know what, like, this year in general has had some great fights. And I was glad that we got to see Gastelum versus Adesanya because that took the cake for me. Yeah. Um, let's talk about fighter of the year, male. A lot of great fighters in in the male, you know, MMA scene, obviously. Uh, Pash, who is your fighter of the year? I know you know who my fighter of the year is. Yes. But everyone listening probably doesn't know. Uh, My fighter of the year, Jorge Masvidal. The guy, so as as you know from doing Matt Madness with me all these years, and uh, anyone who listens to that would know, I'm very big on like... I especially like at the age I am now I don't have like the disposable time to just like be just a purist on all the sports or everything I watch anymore there was a time when that's all I cared about was like the game or the sport and as I've gotten older it's like I need something to just be worth my time like if I'm gonna watch it I need to be invested in it something has to hook my interest capture my interest and Jorge Masvidal became like that guy that's like you make me want to watch it. You make me want to spend my time seeing what you do, whether it's an interview, whether it's a fight, whether it's something you do backstage, whether it's you uh, having guys spar each other at your immediate availability, whether it's you folding your pizza over and eating the two slices at once and starting a craze on social media. <laughs> I That guy became like that. Now, Adesanya kind of became that too, but I think Jorge is like, I think he's more of like the mainstream. People are saying, oh, I, I know that guy. And so for that reason alone, him just becoming the biggest thing in the sport to me right now, that's why he is my male fighter of the year. Nice. And he had, I mean, unbelievable performances in the octagon as well. You can't take that away from him. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, I think that's my pick too. Jorge is fantastic. Um... I got to give that nod, you know, that second, like, that 1A or 1B, whatever you want to call it. I have to give it to Adesanya, though. He just made MMA so much fun this year. Just like Jorge has, like, but there's, like, Jorge just did stuff so quickly. But Adesanya, like, you know, five rounds, three rounds, like, whatever it is, he put on a show every second that he was out there. Every second that he had a mic, some of the lines that he said this year were so great. Like when he said, um, what did he say? Chael brought it up the other day. Oh, when he said, uh, I was in the nosebleed and now I made his nosebleed. Yeah. <laughs> like that's like an old like rap lyric mm-hmm. sound, you know, like I just think he's so he's what the sport really needs. 
Yeah. Like him and him and Jorge just bring so much fresh and Jorge being such a veteran, like it's so fresh right now with those two. Yeah. My as much as I love Masvidal, the reason why I didn't pick him as fighter of the year is because I believe he'll be fighter of the year in twenty twenty. Like going into twenty twenty one. I think he's gonna dominate. Um, and I think he's going to be one of the best fighters of all time. But my clear pick was Adesanya, not just because of his performances, but the time frame that he set in the UFC. And the fact that he did it with the mindset knowing, like, if I'm going to do this in the UFC, I have to fight the best guys, and I have to fight guys that I'm not supposed to beat, and i got to do it at this time. Even going into a, a club with Dana White there and some of the execs and saying, I want Paulo Costa. I want him right now and I want to fight him when he's in his prime. And they got to slow him down. Like, listen, we have something better. Let's set this up for something bigger. But he's like, look, I don't care who I fight. I'll fight Romero. I'll fight Costa. I'll fight Hall. I'll fight anybody. And they believed in him. They were like, you know what? Give him freaking Derek Brunson. Derek Brunson will give him a tough time. No, you won't. <laughs> give him Anderson Silva. They basically have the same style. He finds a way to just outclass him. Then they then they give him Gastelum because they're like, well, Gastelum deserves a shot. He'll definitely have a tough time with Gastelum. One punch knockout power. Excellent wrestling. I mean, this kid just went in there and he was like, you know what, like. I don't care who you put in front of me. I'm going to win regardless. And that's why he was fighter of the year for me. Even the feud with John Jones. Who has truly feuded with John Jones? And really took it to him like that on social media. You know, like, that. that's what I loved about him. Because he's like, dude, I'm going to be honest. I want to dominate my division and then come up and then knock your ass out. And there's truly been nobody other than maybe Rashad Evans... Maybe Chael Sonnen, but nobody's truly made John so mad that he's had to respond in the ways that he has to bring up what he's done in the sport to say, I'm here for a reason. I'm number one pound for pound for a reason. He had to feel like he was important, like he was still the top dog. Adesanya yeah, he sees him as like, this is the guy that's like coming to take my place. Yeah. And, and I'm not ready to give it up. And that's the thing. Like, John Jones had to reiterate to him multiple times, I've beaten guys like you before. I've been where you are. I've had the hype. I was the young king. And is like, dude, I'm coming to take your throne. It doesn't matter how strong you are. It doesn't matter how good your wrestling is. I have the tools to defeat you. And I'm sorry. But <laughs> for the I don't care about Dominic Reyes. I don't care about Volkan Ozdemir. Stipe, there's only one man I can see that can defeat John Jones. And that's my fighter of the year, Israel Adesanya. Yeah, some other choices. Uh, Christian Lee, you know, he gained the lightweight title and won this year. Unlung Sung defended his title twice. John Jones defended his title twice. And Douglas Lima ran through the division in route to gaining his title back this year. The person that I feel bad for not picking is Henry Cejudo because he he defended his title as well as gaining the Bantamweight title. Um, the problem is, again, it happened in that first quarter of the year. And like ever since then, he's been on this steady decline with my fandom of him. 
just like calling out people like he's not calling out the real contenders and it really puts a blemish on his record for me like it really bothers me that he does that and he's so corny so corny <laughs> like like that... that doesn't bother me it's just the fact that like stop calling out Jose Aldo when Peter Yan <laughs> just knocked out your eye favor like when you know what's his name funk funk master yeah, yeah is like crushing it and ready like he's ready to fight right now but like you clearly don't want that challenge um along with fighter of the year you know you picked jorge masvidal i think the easy pick for comeback fighter of the year is jorge masvidal yeah. i think that's pretty unanimous yeah. uh the other pick you know i i wrote this list like way back after Uriah's fight against Ricky <laughs> Simone. Yeah. But then he, like... Like, don't get me wrong. He looked good mm-hmm. in the Peter Yan fight. But Peter Yan just looked, like, light years ahead of him. Yeah. And the sad thing about that fight was he was kind of, like, almost cheering Uriah on to bring it to him. He's like, come on. Like, give me more. Like, I want to see what everybody sees in you. Like, what they were so hype about. And then he just derailed that train. He's like, dude... I'm going to destroy this entire division if I have to to get to that belt. I don't see anybody else beating Peter Jan. Even the Funk Master. Like, I love Aljamain, man. But <laughs> damn, like, that's not going to be an easy fight. Yeah, for sure. But comeback fight of the year has to go to Masvidal just because you look at his last few fights aside from Darren Till and um, Cowboy Cerrone and Jake Ellenberger, and you see how he just had this steady career where he was just, like, almost there fighting the top guys and almost getting the job done. And there's nothing worse than when you get to that spot after working so hard and then you just miss by a centimeter. And then you got to go back to the drawing board and be like, what am I doing wrong? And I felt like that's what Masvidal's career was defined by, almost getting it done, beating Ally Aquinta and basically getting almost getting a lightweight title shot and then just losing by just an inch. And then he comes up and he's like, not only am I going to make a statement by knocking Darren Till out, but I'm going to claim that I'm going to knock everybody else out that I face and starch them. And, and there was just no better comeback than that. I, honestly, I don't even care about John Jones' comeback because I'm just not impressed. You don't care impressed. about John Jones? <laughs> yeah, not only yeah. that, I'm just, I'm never, he never does, he never has the performance that makes me say, Wow, I did not expect that. It's always, oh, okay. Just another guy in the books that he just kind of outsmarted. Let's just remember that John Jones, in some people's eyes, lost to a guy with two broken legs. <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> yeah. Let's move on to Fight of the Year, the final, the final award of this year. In a year with about 20 great fights the one fight i'm gonna go first because i need to i need to get this out of my system things might be unanimous so yeah yeah my favorite fight this year was israel adesanya versus kelvin gaslam yeah i have said it multiple times on this podcast like since its inception you know we kind of grew up with israel adesanya this year this fight may be my favorite fight of all time. It was just the the drama, the action, the story like coming in and like the story coming out of it 
and like the aftermath of it, like this fight just means so much to me. I can watch it every day and never get tired of it. Adesanya was fantastic. Kelvin Gaslam was just the perfect foil in this fight. Moving forward, just showing that, you know, like Adesanya said, he's Mexicano. <laughs> like, he was just so tough. And he, he really took it to Adesanya. Like, maybe his toughest test. It was a fantastic performance, a fantastic fight. My favorite fight of 2019. Andre? There was no better fight than that. I mean... There was something that Kelvin said not too long ago after his fight with Darren Till where they asked him, like, what went wrong against Adesanya? And he was like, I honestly just came in too confident thinking my left hand would touch him and just end him. But that was actually the reason right, the reason why Israel had such a tough time with him because Gastelum was, like, not worried about the outside game. He wasn't worried about what Adesanya could do. He was focused on what he was going to do. And that kind of trumped Adesanya in the first few rounds because Adesanya had to adjust. He's like, you know what? Like, my outside game is working, but he's still coming forward. And then Adesanya kind of had to change his style and be like, you know what? I got to fight a little bit on the inside with him so that way I can hurt him. Catch him when he's trying to do his best work. But Gastelum, he looked like a championship-level fighter in that fight. And the way that Adesanya came back was so legendary. There just wasn't anything that Gastelum could have done better in that fight. But Adesanya just had that will to say, yeah, this is it. This is my moment. This is my chance to cement my legacy, to get that shot, to be called one of the greatest. And he did what he had to do against probably one of the toughest fighters in that division and you know what it was that defining moment that placed Adesanya in a in in a I guess you can say a pedestal that made people realize like okay he's not just a striker like this kid's a real MMA fighter and he was waiting around fighting guys outside of this organization for a reason to prepare but that fight delivered exactly what it was supposed to deliver and what it wasn't supposed to deliver. It w This fight wasn't supposed to be that good. This fight was either going to be Gastelum eking out a decision with his wrestling and pressure on top, or it was going to be Adesanya throwing a striking masterclass. And we got a little bit of all of that. And that's what was so beautiful about that performance. Yep, Pash? I mean, it is unanimous. That is... I mean, I'm not even going to say that is my fight of, year, of the year. That is the fight of the year. If anyone saying anything else is fight of the year, it's either because that fighter was their son or daughter or their husband or wife. Like, that's the only way you could come up with something else that was a better fight than this. And even, I mean, I really can't say anything about this fight that you two haven't already. Uh, but the one thing I will say is when I was looking at performance of the year, I almost made this for Adesanya performance here this was my runner-up because i saw adesanya as like the flashy you know kind of almost like the, the kind of golden boy type guy and this was where you saw that he had something else that makes him a great fighter not just an entertaining fighter or not just a pleasing to the eye fighter you saw that this guy had like the heart of a champion this guy had toughness this guy had like courage um and to me, that is like what kind of separated him from a guy who could be like a shooting star or who could be like a superstar for the long term. So 
this would, like I said, this is my runner-up for performance of the year, was his performance in this fight because of what he overcame, because he proved something to people that maybe didn't know he had that in him. And I think like him having that in him plus his talent and his skill level are what is going to make him, you know, he could be the fighter of the year for the next five years for all we know, you know? And I think what we saw from him in this fight is why. And, yeah, I mean, amazing performance from both guys. Like, I, as a guy who was very inv- invested in Adesanya and, like, rooting for him so hard, I, I could almost feel those overhand lefts from Kelvin Gastelum <laughs> seemed to be landing, like, every three seconds for the first three or four rounds of that fight. Uh, amazing fight by both guys. So fun to watch. You could put it on right now, and I'd be glued, glued to the screen. Yeah, and I've seen it four or five times already. So yeah, yeah, same here. I mean, even when his lips started swelling up, he got caught with that head kick, and people were like, "Is this the end?" And it's like, "No, this is not the end." But it, it's just amazing to see how far someone will go to succeed in in that high stakes kind of matchup when it's like the matchup that could potentially catapult you to superstar stardom like you were saying or end your hype and then leave you fighting on undercards again like that was the implications for that fight it, it was almost like as many people loved Adesani going into that there were just much more people who were like can't wait to see him get his skinny ass knocked out like you have no many how you have no idea how many times i saw that on twitter where people were like dude Gastelum's going to sleep him. He slept Michael Bisbing, and he did this and that. And it's like, you don't understand how good he is. It's not the kicks. It's not the punches. His reflexes, his timing, his precision, that's not something to be played with. And for him to show that, even in the fifth round, people didn't even think he was going to have it in him to go five rounds. And he comes in against a cardio machine and destroys him like... That's what champions are made of. And, and I and I also can say that, like you were saying, he might be fighter of the year for the next five years, and I think he is actually going to be the most dominant champion in the UFC. I think he can do it. You know, and I'll say this with confidence, he may never get to defend that belt 12 to 13 times, but as far as his body of work, I don't think anybody's going to be able to beat him. By the time you get somebody close, he's probably going to be a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Once that <laughs> happens and he puts mass on, that's it. It's over. Yeah. Listen, it's a shame that this fight happened this year because we did have other great fights. Max Holloway and Dustin Poirier be another one. Like, I thought Dustin Poirier whooped Max's ass. You're like, I thought Max maybe had won the fight. Like, yeah. that's that's how good that fight was. Yo, Well Romero versus Paulo Costa. Yo, if awesome. this if this fight happened any other year, <laughs> this would have been one of the best fights. But this year, like I'm telling you, Israel Adesanya, Kelvin Gaslam was so special. DC, and then DC Stipe, I think, belong like deserves a mention. Definitely too, does. Amazing fight. And that was another fight that I was so emotionally invested in because I'm so emotionally invested in DC. That I just wanted him to knock him out again, and mm-hmm. he looked so good, and then just got he caught looked with so those good body until shots. He, he was winning until he didn't. He was winning <laughs> until he didn't. And Colby Covington versus Kamara Usman needs to be mentioned as well. This yeah. fight was so good; it didn't, it wasn't supposed to be as good as it was. So that is the fight of the year, and that is the 2019 award show. But I do, since I have you both here. 
let's talk about some stuff that's going to happen in 2020 that we want to see happen. Um, this is kind of be kind of going to be a little more off the cuff. I'm probably going to ask you guys questions mm-hmm. that you're not ready for, mm-hmm. but I am looking forward to your guys' answers. So 2020, you know, the UFC and other organizations have already been making their plans and have been promoting some stuff all the way up to April. Like a lot of fights are announced. So I want to I wanted to ask you guys, what's the fight that's not booked that you guys want to see this year? Andre, actually, let's start with him because I have like four in my head. I'm like, ah. All right, Pash. So I guess one that I don't think will be booked in 2020, but based on some of the conversation we've had and the fact that it was uh, discussed a little bit for feud of the year, like John Jones, Israel Adesanya is like, that's one of those fights. It's like a dream fight. It's like for people who were fans 12 years ago that wanted to see GSP and Anderson Silva. It's got that type of like excitement around the idea of it i have no idea what would happen in that fight but it's something that i can't help but get excited for um another fight that's not booked i guess jorge and colby because of the story and because while i don't have the level of hatred towards colby a lot of people do because i see through that and i'm like this dude's just a dork like i don't find him funny i don't he he doesn't make me hate him because i'm like "I, i see you you know, you're not fooling me. So he's just some guy that I'm like, whatever. I I don't want to see him win, but I'm not like, oh, I can't wait to see him lose. But I would like to see Jorge and Colby because they do have that legitimate bad blood with each other. And because I would like to see Jorge do something worse to him than what uh, the fake newsman did. <laughs> yeah. I guess my my fight that's not booked that I want to see, I mean, DC Stipe 3 is one that I definitely want to see. If I had to pick a female fight, because I feel like we're not giving the females a lot of love, Valentina Shevchenko, Amanda Nunes 3 has to happen. Um, And, I mean, Adesanya Yoel, just name it. Adesanya Mm -hmm. Paulo Costa, Adesanya Yoel, Robert Whitaker versus Adesanya 2. Like, I don't care. I want to see that man fight this year a lot. Andre? There's so many fights in my head, but I'm gonna go female first and then male. All right, and and you might think this is crazy, but are you going intergender matchups? No, no, no. <laughs> Imagine that, right? I mean, Yo, remember? Cejudo, so. Do you guys forget that Ronda Rousey? She was knocking out the guys. All of them. She was. <laughs> All right, I'll say this. This is a matchup in wake of a certain fight happening that might go the way I think it will. We'll just take this moment to say Rose Namajunas comes back, defeats Weilai Zhang when Weilai beats Joanna, and then Macy Barber wins the title against Valentina in upset of the year, and Rose and Macy Barber fight in a in a champ versus champ matchup. You're just booking Jesus. this like in a mega UFC matchup. WrestleMania, WrestleMania one for UFC. You just yeah. booked yeah, like, that's, UFC as wrestling. That's main event worthy. <laughs> that is a huge fight. Macy Barber fought at 115, 125. The one fighter I could see dominating, and Rose's ultimate return to come back and win the belt against a formidable opponent, one that I love so much, and for them to clash. Macy's like, I want to fight the best. You're the best at 115. Let's go. 
there's nobody 125 for me to be or something crazy like that. And now I'll move on because you're like, wow, that was insane. <laughs> that was just the whole storyline in my head. But the male fight of the year that I want to see is Edmund Shabazian versus Israel Adesanya for the belt. Mm-hmm. I say that because I feel that Edmund Shabazian is most likely going to get a top five in his next fight. And I think he's going to destroy somebody and get the title shot. After the whole debacle with Costa and all that, I just think that they're probably not going to give Costa an, an immediate shot with that whole bicep thing. And I think Edmund's going to steal the show in 2020. And I think he's going to get that fight because Adesanya will most likely fight Yoel for the title. And I think after that, he's going to want to stay active and fight somebody who deserves it. And 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 I know that Cannoneer, Hermanson, Darren Till's up there. <laughs> but I think Shabazian's going to go in there and say, hey, let's do this. Hold on. <laughs> Let me book the middleweight division. All right? <laughs> you do Edmund Shabazian versus Jack Hermanson. We have Robert Whitaker fighting Jared Cannoneer later this year. Yeah. You do Yoel versus Israel. Who then fights the winner of Cannoneer versus Whitaker, while Paulo Costa fights Kelvin Gaslam? Damn. Okay. And Till's not even in the picture. And Till's not even in the picture. Mm-hmm. Till's gonna fight like some. He's he's needs more fights at middleweight. Yeah. He can't like <clears throat> yes he beat Kelvin Gaslam, but you can't just put him up there because. I'm telling you, if you put him against Israel right now, Israel is going to finish this guy. And there goes that star again. Oh, uh, Till? Or yes. Shib- okay, yes. Till, yeah. That does the whole Shabazian thing. And we're going to talk about prospects. He might be my favorite prospect this year coming yeah. up. But, like, that that dude and Till both need that experience. Yeah, and, and, and but the reason why I say Shabazian is because I see something in him that's different. He's young. Odds are stacked against him. They don't think that he's going to have enough experience to fight those guys. But there's something. It's like he's got that factor where no matter where the fight goes, he's going to finish in dominating fashion. And I think that the UFC, as much as they don't want to bank on him because of his coach and where he trains, I think he's just going to steal the show. I know he won't fight Till because I don't think Till is going to take that matchup. But I think he's going to fight somebody, and then he's going to be like, well, if you guys want me to fight Israel, I will. And I, I just think that's going to happen. I don't know why, but I feel it. <laughs> it's a weird it's a weird pick. Middleweight like it's gonna be middleweight division is very interesting this year. Can I yeah. throw one more fight I'd like to see? Yeah, that of isn't course. Bo- and it's one that I know won't happen, but it's one that uh, I would love to see, and that's DC John Jones at heavyweight. Because. <laughs> sorry. All right. Because I will never not believe until my dying day that DC is not capable of beating John Jones. You know, and there is no one else in the world I would like to see win a fight more than DC over that guy because he wants it so bad. He feels like that's the one true like stain on his legacy. And I mean, I just hate that guy. He's just such a, a dick. And DC, like you said, you have like. A lot of love for DC, so do I. I want to see him get to beat that guy. And I think at heavyweight, I think he would knock him out because he was giving him the work in their second fight. 
right up until yeah he, he was up but he was winning till he wasn't it, he was a classic <laughs> case of winning till he wasn't he was having a great performance and i still think he has it in him to beat him and i'd, I'd love to see it happen yeah so moving on uh to to a more obscure option a fighter that you will think will switch promotions so, Andre, is there a fighter that you think will move from one promotion to another? I have two. Is okay. that okay? Yeah, yeah. Uh, as I, many as you want. So, the number one for me is going to be Alimile McFarlane. I think they're going to book her for a UFC matchup soon. Well, probably maybe mid towards the end of the year. I think she beats Liz Carmouche in Bellator. And after that, I think they're going to be like, yeah, we kind of have to move her. I don't think there will be any denying that because she's too dominant at Bellator. And to just keep her there, to continue to have her fight not really formidable opponents, I think that'll just put a stain on her legacy. And then she's going to be like, well, I want to fight the best. So if I have to do that, then I might as well. And then my male fighter, and I, and you, might, you guys might not agree with me or you <laughs> might, but this is the only fighter that I want to see switch promotions. I want to see Douglas Lima in the UFC. 100%. Yeah. I think that if he comes to the UFC at the right time and he fights the right guy, I think that that could be the craziest situation in 2020. Jorge Masvidal, Kamaru Usman, Colby Covington, Leon Edwards, a Jeff Neal that's coming up. Like Tyron Woodley. Tyron Woodley. <laughs> As of Wonder now. Boy, Vicente Luque, and then Douglas Lima just comes in and says, here I am. <laughs> like, that would be insane, because where do you put him? Who does he fight? Does he get an immediate title shot? Probably not. But are you against it? No. no. He's such a dominant champion. He beat Rory McDonald. He knocked out Michael Venom Page. But the question is, what does he have to do to get there? And will he want to? Yeah, I'm going to go with the obvious pick. Uh, Paige Van Zant will leave the UFC this year. She has one fight left. It's already booked. She's going to lose to Amanda Rebus. Oh, yeah. And the UFC will not re-sign her because they're not going to give her the money that she wants. But uh, the not-so-obvious pick, I'm going to say Julia Budd. She's going to lose to Cyborg, and she has to move on from Bellator. So the only way she's going to cement her legacy is if she comes to the UFC and actually does something. Mm-hmm. Now, do I think she will do something? No, but Amanda Nunes needs new dance partners. So that's why I think the UFC will go after her. Um, my Bellator or my my men's pick will be Bellator to UFC. I think that Michael Chandler finally has to leave Bellator and come to the UFC. This guy is one of the best 155-pound fighters in the world, and he's stuck in obscurity over there in Bellator. Yeah. So, for me, Michael Chandler, you got to make the move. Jake Heger is going to make the jump to you. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, if Greg Hardy can get the... the uh, the podium, you know, I think I think that Jake Hager could lace up the Reebok boots too. Yeah, no, I I'd have to actually like sit down and like really think about it, and uh, there's nothing that comes to mind for me at the moment. So I thought I'd at least give you a, a joke. I know what you want to see. You want to see more Angela Lee. So Angela Lee, make your way to the U.S. Yes. Yeah. Why not? I, I thought about saying that, but I really think she's just 
too much of a corner. It doesn't. There. It doesn't make any sense. Like I would love to say Unlung Sung come over back to the U.S., but here's the problem: Unlung Sung is like the biggest star in Myanmar. Yeah. So for him to leave that, like the money he makes, the exposure he gets over there, a lot of all those Asian fighters, you know, that are at one. It doesn't make any sense for them to leave. And this is the thing. Like, a lot of people won't talk about this, but Aung Lung Sung makes probably more money than some of the top three contenders than most of the of UFC's divisions. And that's because he's literally a double champ. He's the face of Myanmar. Yeah. He's literally the face of Myanmar, and he's, like, the most soft-spoken... But most one of the most dominant champions. And the scary thing is like when you look at his record and seeing who he's lost to, and one of them is Sammy O, but you also <laughs> see like who he's beat. What he had to do to get to where he is now. Like, look at the guys he fought to win the title. Vitaly Big Dash. He fought Ken Hasagawa. He fought twice. Brandon Vera. Twice. And Vitaly, knocked him out twice. Yeah. Vitaly mm-hmm. Big Dash. He actually lost to Vitaly in a close fight. Comes back and beats him, which was insane. I mean, it. he would be a problem for people in the UFC, but his stock would go down because, you know, he's not a stranger to losing. And like I said, styles make fights. Like, as much as I love Ung Long Sung, I could see him losing to somebody like Israel Adesanya. I could see him losing to someone like a Jared Cannonier if he gets caught, you know? But him over there, he's like a superstar. It wouldn't make sense, but it would be nice. It And another fighter, Christian Lee. He'd be a great asset because he can move between 145 and 155. He's an excellent fighter, you know, but... um. This year has been a great year. <laughs> yeah, and I'm really excited for this next year. Uh, the question everybody's wondering, will Connor fight more than once? Yes or no? And if so, two or three times? I think yes. Uh, I think he will fight at least one more time. But I think like a lot of people kind of fell asleep on Connor. Like, and I get why, because he was gone for a while and... He did not have a very inspiring performance against Khabib, and he's had some outside of UFC issues like that he's had, like that made people kind of turn on him a little bit. But like I know, and you guys even have talked a lot about like that's ah, kind of like Connor. It's it's done. Like the sport has moved on. But he gets a fight, and the thing sells out immediately, and it's a huge deal. Now, if he goes in and gets you know smoked by Cerrone, then maybe it's really over. But I think like that guy is, he just elevated himself to such a degree that he's always going to be a name that immediately catapults to the top. So I kind of think he's going to beat Cerrone. I think he did not like the way things went with Khabib. I think he probably doesn't like the way things have gone in his life. Uh, and I think it probably, now I could be wrong, I don't know the guy. But I think he probably has like rededicated his focus to a degree we haven't seen in a while. And I think that will show on January 18th. And if he beats Cerrone, I mean, like, Dana's going to give him any fight he wants. And so I think that's what he's going to get. He's going to get whatever the hell he wants after January 18th. Yeah, I think, you know, I'm not as high on him right now. I think after this fight, he goes back to the nameless fighter for me. (laughs) Um, I don't think he fights more than once because I don't have any faith in him beating Cerrone for some strange reason. Well, it's a bad matchup for him, I Um, think. 
But then again, I could be like just overthinking it because I think the best thing that can happen to him is a loss because then he's out of the title picture again. And then Connor's the type that always wants to avenge that loss. So we're going to see like Connor Nate again with Cerrone if he does lose. Andre? This is the only way I see 2020 going for Connor. I'm going to give you two scenarios. He beats Cerrone, books the fight with Masvidal, gets brutally knocked out in the first round, retires. B. He uh, loses to Cerrone, comes back, fights Justin Gaethje at 155, loses to Gaethje, retires. There is literally nothing left for Conor McGregor. He has not improved. He has not gotten better as a fighter. And the competition is becoming becoming to get more stiff. And I don't think he's going to be able to keep up with a guy like Justin Gaethje or Tony Ferguson or even Dustin Poirier. And, uh, yeah, definitely not happening at 170 because who the hell is he going to fight there? Tyron Woodley and get brutally massacred by him too? There's no fight that makes sense for him. The only way that I see him coming back to prominence is if he moves back down to 145 and beats Alexander Volkanovsky, which I actually think he could do. I think he can beat Zabit Magomed Shapirov. He can beat Brian Ortega. But that's a choice that I don't think he's willing to make to cement re-cement his legacy. And uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I Even when he was at 155... Everybody thought he was going to destroy the entire division, but his best fight at 155 was Eddie Alvarez, and he won that fight because Eddie Alvarez froze. He didn't fight a smart fight against Connor, and he admitted that. But when you think about even the matchup with Cerrone, like this fight can go really well for Connor in the, in the first few seconds if he drops him with a left hand. But if he tries to ground and pound with Cerrone and he gets caught in a submission, he's not getting out of that. If he gets caught in an armbar, Cerrone's going to break it. He gets caught in a triangle, forget about it. There's so many ways that he can lose in this fight. I just think Cerrone's going to fight him the one way Connor can win. Like I think Cerrone's going to make it a fight. Yeah, but here's the issue. I know Cerrone's going to get dropped in this fight. 100%. Forget about the power. He's going to get caught with something he's not going to see coming. The one thing about Cerrone is that he's very good with combinations. But when you catch him while he's throwing, he gets dropped easily. Connor's going to do that. But the, the question is, is it going to knock him out cold? Or is it just going to hurt him and he's going to get up and keep marching forward? Because if Cerrone keeps marching forward against Connor, that's when Connor's going to have a lot of problems. Round two and round three, Connor's going to slow down. And then Cerrone's going to pick it up, put more pay pressure on him, land more strikes, kicks to the body, kicks to the leg, knees up the middle to knock him down. I mean, if Connor doesn't fight the perfect fight, he's going to get hurt. There's no chance I ever see him beating anybody at the, in the top three at 155 or Masvidal. I just don't see him doing anything else but retiring. Yeah, so the next question the return no one will see coming. <laughs> is there a fighter 
that you think will come back that nobody will even think like, damn, he's coming back. Like this year was Todd Duffy. <laughs> Who thought Todd Duffy would ever fight again? He like dropped off the face of the earth and then came back and you know the fight was what it was. Yeah, um, I'm gonna say Artem Lobov. No kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That's a tough question because. There's a lot of guys who are doing well, but I think it's not even a clear answer, but I think the only return that I think that no one is going to see coming is Rumble at heavyweight. He hasn't fought in a long time. I mean, but he, that's that's like something that's like kind of been like, like oh, he said Disgust. he's coming back. Well, I mean in the sense of like him dominating. Oh, like you think he's going to? I think he can get to the title. And that's the thing, the return of, like, anti-wrestler rumble. That's what I mean. I think he can do some serious work at heavyweight. And can you just imagine if he knocks Nganu out and then gets to fight Stipe? <laughs> that, I think, will be something that no one sees coming. But that's the only thing that comes to mind because I don't really think anybody is going to make a return like that. Uriah tried. Yeah. Connor's going to try and it's not going to work. I don't know. Who do you have? Dominic Cruz comes back. Ooh. Finally. I think a healthy it's time. Dominic. A yeah. healthy Dominic that we haven't seen in years. That would Someone be... whose career has been plagued by injuries. I think he comes back. I did think of one. Who? Go ahead. Go ahead. So Dominic Cruz was who I was go- actually going to say. And then I was just going to ask, is Benson Henderson still fighting somewhere? He was supposed to fight Michael Chandler this past weekend. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I don't know what happened, but Sydney Outlaw actually ended up So he's fighting. still active, so that wouldn't really be a Yeah, comment. yeah. That Winning, be. too. He's doing okay. So who were you going to say, though? Um, The one guy that I think could make a return to the UFC and do some work. Jimmy Rivera at 135. I felt like he had a rough patch going into that fight with Marlon Marias. And then he goes against Aljamain in a fight that was pretty a pretty bad matchup for him. But I think he can still do work at 135. And I think he can get the job done against some people. And I think he can get to the title. He hasn't been around at all. He's been booked for fights but hasn't fought in a long time. And I think that will be a good return because he's got good boxing, great wrestling, and I just think he has to fight the right people to get there. And I think one good matchup that we could see going in to 2020 if he can get it done against somebody like Dominic Cruz is a fight maybe between him and Peter Yan in wake of, you know, the division waiting for Suhudo to do something against one of those fighters. Cuz the reality is we're probably going to see Aldo versus Suhudo for the belt. Yeah, so Pash the only other person I could think of, I almost said this for someone switching promotions, uh, and I hate to say it because I don't really even want to talk about this guy anymore, but I do think that we see BJ Penn fighting a non-UFC promotion. Oh. He shouldn't, and no one should let him, Yeah. and I won't acknowledge it if it happens, but I would be shocked if he didn't have a fight somewhere in 2020 because it's the only thing he really can do. He's like unwilling to not do it, even if it's fighting some fat guy on the street. Like he, for whatever reason, he has to do it long past the time he should be, and someone is willing to take on like that name recognition of BJ Penn to put him in a fight. So that's that's, 
the only other one I could think of. That's a really good pick, actually. I I honestly was waiting for BJ Penn versus Artem Lobov at BKFC. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just gonna be real sorry, but yeah. I think uh, some other picks that are probable: uh, Brock Lesnar, ooh, GSP. Yeah, that's that's one I think is probably gonna happen too. And one that's really out there. I think Misha Tate could return to fighting. Ooh, at one championship. Yeah, that would make a lot of sense. And then the last one, this is just something that uh, I think is way more relevant now than ever in the ESPN era. But what's the biggest free fight they could put on TV? Like, what's something that you think that they should put on, like, ESPN proper and say, like, this is the UFC like, we saw it in the uh, Fox era with JDS versus Kane. Like, what could the UFC do on ESPN that would be like, this is us? Like, I know that they did, for the first card, Henry Cejudo and TJ Dillashaw. I'm not going to lie. I think they can use Henry Cejudo again. But I think that something about the casual fan needs to see, like, a big guy. So for me, it's a Francis Ngannou fight. Yeah. Like, just give somebody to Francis Ngannou and just have this guy, like, knock whoever it is, like, out cold. And I think that that will really draw the attention of the casuals. I mean, that's a good pick. Yeah, if anybody has the fight. So I I don't necessarily have a particular fight, but I think there are fighters that they could do on ESPN. Like, one, I think, would be throw a John Jones fight on ESPN. Because I don't know if you're sacrificing a huge pay-per-view buy with John Jones. I don't think... I could be wrong, but I don't think he's this huge pay-per-view draw. I think... Now, you might be sacrificing some PPVs, but I think, like, Nate Diaz is someone you could put on ESPN because he's a guy that people know, and you know you're going to get an entertaining fight. Uh, like you guys know, I'm not the highest on Nate Diaz. I think my feelings on Nate Diaz are often misconstrued. I have a ton of respect for him. I think he's very good. I just don't think he's a great fighter. I don't think he is the level of fighter he thinks he is or portrays himself to be. But I do think his fights are always fun to watch. You know you're going to get a fight, and you know it's going to be like you're going to you're going to see something that's going to entertain you when he does fight. So I think like that's a guy that you put on ESPN because it'll get viewers and it'll be entertaining. Uh, and to, to your point about like a big guy, uh, like my, my dream matchup of DC versus John Jones at heavyweight, maybe that could be like an ESPN fight. Pash, never. That would <laughs> never happen. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think a Weili Zhang title fight on ESPN would make sense. She's not a huge pivotal star right now, but something like a title fight like that where she has a spectacular performance, um, if she beats Joanna, which obviously she will, but um, I think that would be a great move for her because she's an international star in China, but she's not really a star yet in the United States. And I think that would be a great move for the UFC to kind of introduce her as a real champion for her to fight somebody that's a real opponent like against her in a stage like that for ESPN. That would be great. Yeah, so this was a lot of fun, guys. 
That has been this week's Your Boy Elroy. You can find me on all forms. I hate to interrupt you at the, at the end. And it happens to me sometimes on that madness. And it can be frustrating sometimes. But I did want to say something to the two of you. First, you guys are doing an amazing job. It has been a lot of fun to hear like the growth of each of you individually and like your chemistry and the show you do. Like the last, I told Prep this a couple of times, the last couple of weeks I feel like the show has been reaching a new level. Like I love the balance you guys have between like the, the high profile stuff and the kind of like more obscure stuff. I feel like you do a really good job of balancing those two things. And as someone who... I'm not the most political person in the world, but politics definitely has an effect on me. It's part of why I just can't even pretend to to pay attention to WWE anymore. And if it was not for your boy Elroy, Dana White's Donald Trump support probably would have pushed me away from watching UFC. But you guys doing this show has kept me interested in the sport, has made me like want to watch fights that... I probably would have just stayed away from because I don't want to support them. But it's like you guys have kind of made me stay in the game, it, it, as, as it were. So I want to say thank you for that. I want to just say, like, congratulations on making it as far as you have so far and for, like, still continuing to get better. And thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you so much, Pastor. We really appreciate it. You always have a seat <laughs> thank on you. your boy, Elroy. Andre, guys. Yeah, man. Thank you for being here, and uh, thank you for the support because, you know, it's always nice to hear that we've been making improvements and that, you know, we're growing, uh, you know, as podcasters. Mm-hmm. That's always awesome. Yeah, so... <laughs> For us, I mean, I just want to cut it short. You can find us on Instagram at YBMMA Podcast. There we'll have me and Andre's links to our social medias. Pash, you can find him at Ronnie V the World. I believe so, yeah. And please check him out. I'm pretty <laughs> sure since he is getting back on the mic for Ronnie versus the World, you will hear me and Andre on there very soon. <laughs> yes. So there are some stuff that we do have to hash out mm-hmm. for the year 2020. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening. This has been a fantastic year. I will be saying that more often in the next coming weeks. But that has been this week's episode. Uh, If it's your birthday, happy birthday. There aren't any fights this week. But if there's something going on in the world, enjoy it. (laughs) This has been YB MMA. We'll catch you guys next week.